Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned in to the newest edition of the Punchlist MMA podcast. I'm co-host Dale Lippin in here with the flying Hawaiian himself, Ray Van Busker. What's up, dude? Just uh, doing the old self-distancing uh, thing going on here. I've got a little quarantine action. Um right. Home workouts, man, they're getting serious. <laughs> What's weird is like, so we can do self-distancing all the time with the show because you and I are on opposite sides of the country. Uh, but yeah, it's a little weird, man. I'm still working, uh, which is ludicrous considering most people are not. Um, and a lot of people are doing the quarantine thing. But the uh, the place I work, there we go. I don't want to get myself in trouble. The place yeah. I work uh, says no, nay, nay to that. Come to work. So that's bonkers uh you know my i work remotely but my job um headquartered in a different location they're still having people come in but it's like world war three people are are stealing the purell uh dispensers um any type of bar soap kiss it goodbye Uh, i'm surprised it's it's the full-on apocalypse out there it's really strange so i went to so the my kids are out of school because they're you know the schools are shut down or whatnot so they're exhausting all of their video games and board games and everything else. So my wife sent me a text today and she said, if you can find something, maybe pick the kids up a new video game or something like that. Let's try to slow the, the, the hurricane that is the house right now. And I said, yeah, it's fine. So I went to GameStop and then there's a field and stream, which is kind of like a Cabela's mm-hmm. um, right, right by the GameStop. So I went in because I was like, I got to get some stuff anyway. It was like Book of Eli in there, man. It was just completely ransacked. And then, you know, I, I always operate under the adage is if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So my family is continuously ready in one way, shape or form um, with, you know, supplies in the event that uh, shit were to hit the fan, if you will. Uh, but there was guys in there like trying to build bug out bags. It's like they're actually buying the physical bag, then buying radios and batteries <laughs> and flashlights and knives and guns. And I'm Crazy. like, I'm like, dude, if you're doing that now. It's already pretty much like you're you're already behind the curve. Oh um, yeah. 
So, you know, no, it's, it's, it's literally the good thing about this, regardless of how serious it actually is going to be, it's laying out the blueprint as to any type of crisis going on thereafter. We know what we need to grab first, toilet paper, paper towels, and meat. All right. So, uh, at least meat. Look, I, I would, I would, I would encourage everyone if nothing else, food stores are, are the most important. Um, I want to attribute it to the right person. I believe it was Jordan Peterson said that the, the biggest threat uh, to you and your family is a hungry neighbor. Um, and that's, that's true. As, as society starts to devolve, if you are the have and your neighbor is the have not, they'll come after what you have. So uh, he says it in the, in the premise of taking care of your neighbor, but I take it under the, the impression of protecting myself. Uh, so I don't care if my neighbors are hungry because I also like, what Jack Donovan says, not my people, not my problem. Right. And that's how I ascribe in my neighborhood. These people beside me are great people to say hi to and maybe drink a beer with on 4th of July. But if things were to really get barbaric in a hurry, it's me versus them. It's my family versus their family. And mine always comes out on top. I always put mine first. You sound so, like a good friend, man. You yeah, sound not, like a good friend. Listen, man, it's not my people, <laughs> not my problem. That's the way. That's the way I look at it. Uh, but the reason why I say that is because I'm continuously a have based on stay classy meats. Uh, you know, Scott from stay classy reached out to us and wanted us to let the people know stay classy is doing everything in their power. As long as FedEx is still working, they're still shipping. So using our promo code saves you 10% and can get you, uh, quite a lot of meat at, at a fair price and high quality meat, you know, at 10% off using our promo code, which is fist. Yeah, I think uh, besides stocking up on meat, obviously, number one seller in any type of recession type thing, boom. Booze, yeah, booze. A little bit of booze. Now, granted, restaurants and bars are all being shut down, so I wouldn't say go and invest in any type of booze-related stock right now. You know, any type of distributor is saying, hey, I, my business is going to shit right now because I'm right. not able to get – you know, people are returning kegs right now. Yeah. You know, but – Stockpile it, sit on the couch, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and hey, let's talk about some serious betting. Maybe yeah. the weather? <laughs> Maybe the weather, yeah. What's, I've seen crazy stuff online. I mean, there's people that are playing simulations on like NBA 2K and Madden and stuff like that and betting on the outcomes of the simulation. It's tough times out there if you're an avid sports better. Uh, it's really tough times. If you know you like to bet on on combat sports like we do, we were we were experiencing the golden age. This was our season right now, uh, eight straight weeks of fights, and you know we held tough for five of them. But here we are, the final three. Uh, we will not get. It's 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 a sad day for sure. But I think what we're going to see is a stacking of cards throughout the later or the latter half of the year. Once this thing hopefully clears up soon. Yeah, and I feel bad for all those that were on like undercards or weren't like, you know, co-main and main events. Dana White did everything and regardless if you, you know, love him or hate him, he did everything possible. When, you know, the sanctions were put that only 50 people in a certain arena could be uh, present, obviously he's like, okay, this is fine. We'll move it to an APEC center. We won't have crowds, production, fighters. That'll all equate to 50 or less. Then when the sanctions of 10 people could congregate in an area or less, that's where everything just got nixed. It got 86, and now we're in a position where 
We don't know where a location could happen, different sanctions, different countries. I think that's all up to speculation. And then, of course, Mystic Max said it, the Tony Ferguson-Khabib fight. What is going to happen with that? I think that's what everyone's big biggest freak out is right now. Yeah. Well, like I was saying to you yesterday, I think we might see the very fr- like the first ever one card pay per view, um, where it'll be like a nine ninety nine pay per view thing. Because I think if nothing else, Dana White and the UFC from a from a, from a fiscal standpoint cannot afford for this fight to not happen. They can't afford for it to be delayed any longer or be rescheduled. Both of these guys are very rarely healthy, and it appears it appears that we're getting ever so close to it actually happening. If it were to fall apart at this point, I don't think, uh, I don't think there'd be any recovering from it from a career trajectory standpoint for either Khabib or Tony, because both these guys are at that apex. They can only fight each other at this point. It's the only fight anybody wants to see them do is fight each other. Yeah. You know, there's been all the different conspiracy theories out there. Hey, let's do it in international waters, throw in some Somali pirates in there. Maybe that'll make it a little bit more interesting. You'll get your right. pay-per-view money for sure. Um, but prior to that, there's cards that were on deck that aren't going to come to fruition. And, you know, the Tyron Woodley, Leon Edwards one was a big one that we lost. Um, if anything, I feel really, really bad for Leon Edwards. You know, this was going to be his trajectory into the top three make himself a true title contender, even though, you know, justifiably so, he he is a title contender as it lays today, or at least I believe so. Yeah. The question is, is Tyron ever going to want to run that fight back? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think that Woodley was very keen on that fight to begin with. There was a lot of um, hullabaloo that, went, that took place prior to that fight even being made where Woodley was saying that Edwards wasn't, you know, worthy of the fight. And then there were, they were arguing and bickering about where the fight was going to take place. And I believe the UFC was probably going to pay Tyron pretty handsomely to go to London to fight Leon Edwards. Cause that was not, um, that was not in his initial reaction was I'm not going overseas. I'm, I'm not going over there to fight, bring him to me. I'm the former champ. You bring him to me. Uh, but lo and behold, Woodley does what the boss man says. But I think there was probably some money attached to that as well. I just don't see where Tyron gets this fight back. I don't see where Leon gets this fight back. I think the division moves forward at some point without this fight taking place. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to expect with it. Um, I just don't see. I don't see either one of these guys getting this fight. It was a blockbuster fight for Leon. Um, and it had more hype than it probably should have a little bit more gasoline on the fire because it was in his hometown of London. You remove that from the equation. Really? I mean, is any casual fan really excited about a Tyron Woodley Leon Edwards fight? Uh, not really. If you look at it from a, a marketing perspective, I think everyone knows what they want the marquee fight to be. Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington. Yeah, you know, I think so. We heard Colby Covington, you know, whether he's just blowing smoke or he's being real, that's the fight he's been he's been wanting for three years. This is the fight that makes sense. This is the one outside of the uh, run back with Kamara Usman. This would be the fight that keeps him as a number one contender. It keeps him in the conversation and, you know, no doubt brings a lot to the payroll. 
Yeah, I think so. I think Woodley moves on and fights Covington. I think you're dead on that. Um, I think Masvidal obviously is going to get the next crack at Usman. And that leaves Edwards just flapping in the wind. Not really sure where he's going to land with that. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a stay busy fight. And I would love to see a guy like a Michael Chiesa sneak up there mm-hmm. for it. Um, a real striker versus grappler matchup. I don't necessarily think Chiesa's earned that high profile of a fight. But Edwards is going to have to take a stay busy fight. And who out there at welterweight is looking to stay busy? They're not going to let Kelvin Gastelum come back down. So you're not going to see Gastelum versus Edwards. Um, You know, Till's obviously moved on to to the middleweight, you know, realm. I'm not sure where Edwards goes. He just sort of sits in limbo of no fault of his own um, because of the log jam that is the front and all the heat along other matchups. I know you don't like hearing this. But this is not unlike what we saw with Cub Swanson several years ago when he was on a six-fight win streak. And then there was this huge log jam at the front with Aldo mm-hmm. and Holloway and Connor and Poirier. And there was just there was nowhere there's no there was nowhere to send Cub. So they just gave him they just kept feeding him fighters till he lost, which eventually is gonna happen. And I I see Edwards sort of in that same perpetual holding pattern. That's why I'm really nervous for another fight to, that got canceled, the Francis Ngannou Yair, uh, or the Urino Rosenstruck fight. Mm-hmm. Um, is another guy that's stuck in a holding pattern, and that Rosenstruck fight is a really scary fight. Um, I think Ngannou earned the, the another title shot, but that DC Stipe logjam just is consuming everything, and to be honest with you, if that fight comes to fruition, I'm playing Rosenstruck. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, what makes me really scary about this whole thing. And a lot of people haven't been talking about it is, and I've said this from day one, am I that worried? And this is, again, I tell everyone practice, uh, you know, safe hygiene, wash your hands, social distancing. I a hundred percent agree with that. I think we need to all take a moment, isolate ourselves and let this thing kind of pass through and conquer it. What I'm saying, though, is I believe that what's more scary than this entire thing is how this is going to affect the economy. I truly believe with the lack of people going to work, the people getting laid off, the amount of imports, exports, this is going to cripple the economy. Now, when we look at it in our small little world of mixed martial arts, look at these fighters. They look at their fights. They fight two, three times a year, if that. They have a Reebok deal in place, so from an apparel perspective, they can't do anything else really yeah you look at scott coker scott coker took it upon himself and said hey regardless of us stopping the fights we're still going to pay the fighters sure curious what dana white's going to do because these people are not only losing a huge part of their revenue from an apparel perspective but you know they're not going to be able to fight and and like you said if they do stack the cards kiss goodbye anyone outside the top 10 getting a prevalent fight with some money against it yeah I think you're absolutely right. That's the one narrative that nobody's really talking about is if you start closing down mid to small, um, mid to small size businesses and they're forced to be closed for two, three weeks or even a month, you know, and, you know, heaven forbid two months, a lot of them, that's not something that they can rebound from. So my concern is, is that once the dust settles with this thing, What's remaining? What will be able to reopen up? What 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 will we have access to again? Um, and then it will be a lot of people um, 
you know, fishing from one pond, if you will. If whenever the dust settles, the only thing that's open uh, is Walmart, if you will. Um, it's the only store remain remaining is what the Walmarts and Targets of the world. And I think that applies to this UFC situation as well, too. A lot of these guys, uh, at least like the the Eddie Wineland level guys, work mm-hmm. full-time jobs. The Darren Elkins, they work full-time right. jobs on top of being fighters. So where does this land, these guys that are on the fringe? Like, I don't think that Mickey Gall, right, has a uh, a full-time job. I think that he's getting by on his UFC checks and promotional deals and things of that nature. But, you know, with this sort of, you know, basically clouding this entire organization, these mid-level guys that haven't been around long enough to save money don't have a, a job or you know, they're just not making enough to begin with, this could essentially deplete the roster as well. I mean, you know, I, there's you see plenty of times, and we almost saw it with Ally Aquinta. He said, I'm making more money doing my other job than I yeah. am doing this. Right. I do this because I like it, not because it pays my bills. Um, you'll see a big influx of guys leaving because they have to pay their bills. Yeah, absolutely, and I think – alternate promotions are going to be, I mean, we talk about crossover promotions, <laughs> you know, I, I almost look, look way far down the line is there's many fights between Bellator and UFC where we want to see a cross promotion. You know, if it comes to a crippling effect from an, an economy standpoint, at what point do you not just say, Hey, obviously a cross promotion is never going to happen, but I'm just going to jump ship. I'm going to look at what used to be the gold standard of mixed martial arts. That was UFC at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It matters where you're putting food on your table. And that looks right now, Bellator is the correct promotion if you're worried about your family. Yeah, it, the the eyeball, the visual of it is definitely, it's it's a it's a better look for Bellator because um, they paid out for that one, that, 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 that one event. Uh, the other thing that you see is, is, you know, they allow guys to pursue sponsorships outside of Reebok. They allow right. them to do their own thing. And, you know, every fighter that I've ever talked to has always said that that's more lucrative. That's always where the money's at. It's not necessarily the, the fight paycheck, yeah. unless you're a pay-per-view pool. It's the logos on the shirts. It's mm-hmm. the, you know, it, 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 it's the, the name drops on Media Row. It's that stuff that really pays the bills. Uh, you know, having a business and trying to sponsor a fighter, I can tell you that even guys that you would not anticipate paying that much money for charge an exuberant amount of money to try to get you to put that logo on a shirt. Um, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. So when you watch a Bellator fight and a guy's got, you know, a logo on it, they paid money for it. Like they're, they're, they paid money for it. Like, um, I think of Jordan Johnson in the PFL stay classy meets had a big thing right on, right on his shorts for that million dollar finale. I, I shudder to think what that, what that cost, you know, oh, yeah. to, to put that on there, man. I just absolutely shudder to think. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's funny too. I used to always laugh at, uh, you know, it, it becomes to a certain degree. And I think that limiting sponsorships on apparel for walk and stuff like that is completely constituted. You don't want to look like a NASCAR driver walking into the fight. And I also think it's really funny when we used to see, you know, for instance, like Anderson Silva, he'd have a big Burger King right on his ass. You know, not cohesive probably with his lifestyle, but you know they're paying a shit ton of money for him. Yeah. You know, but that was, you know, win, lose, or draw, Burger King's paying the bills. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And every time you drop it or you wear the shirt or you wear the hat during a media interview, all that stuff adds up. All that stuff gets paid for to you. Once you have that position where you even say a name, it brings it, you know, it brings money in Uh, with this sort of stalemate like this. I think maybe what you might see and, and, and what, you know, several steps down the line, it may look like where fighters are going, you know, going to Dana or Sean Shelby or Mick Maynard and saying, look, guys, oh, there's no end in sight as when this is going to happen. Right. When when we're going to break free from this, when we're actually going to be able to congregate together and fight. And when that does happen, there's 80 other fights you guys are going to make prior to me getting a crack at this. Mm-hmm. So I need to be able to make money. Right. This I need to be able to apply my trade somewhere. So I believe what we will see is a mass exodus because the UFC lets people out of their contracts. So one FC, Road FC, Brave, Cage Warriors, Bellator, all of these promotions, they're not saying it, but they're all sort of sitting there on bated breath waiting this thing out. Because the longer this goes, the more likely the UFC is to just let guys go out of their contract because they know once they do get this thing under control, it's going to be log jammed. You know, the, I'm trying to think of like a, a low level, uh, the Lewis Smolkas of the world are not getting a fight once this thing clears. If this thing goes till June, right? The Lewis Smolkas of the, of the world aren't fighting again till mid 2021. <laughs> no, they're not. No. I mean, it's just they're not. No, and every single card, once this thing does clear up, it's just like you said, is going to be so stacked so that the revenue that they missed in this interim period is going to be 100% compensated by these stacked cards. We looked at Damian Maya, you know, get knocked out, and, you know, people are talking about what's next for Damian Maya. And Damian said, well, maybe, you know, this is my last fight. This is my last hurrah. Who do I want my last two fights to be? And it kind of looked like it was either going to be, you know, based on what he wanted was Donald Cerrone or Diego Sanchez. Now, I look at a fight like that with two high profile people, but with a huge clogged, you know, jammed packed stack card that probably makes it just at the first fight of the main card. Maybe, maybe, maybe on an an ESPN, ESPN plus fight night, that might be a mid level (laughs) on the main card. And I'm serious. And we probably won't even see that till November, December time period. Cause what I'm saying now is these three cards, right. That we were losing, Mm -hmm. those all have to be replaced. Let's say that they keep all those fights. They all have to find a home on remaining cards. So we're from now till international fight week. So every time you replace a fight on a card, that replacement fight or the fight that got replaced gets moved someplace else. So guys like Damian Maya, who just fought, right? Mm-hmm. And guys like Diego Sanchez, who just fought, we li- realistically, if this thing goes on for another month or two months, we might might not see them fight until the end of the year, maybe December. <laughs> I'm serious, yeah. man. That's just the way it's going to work. It's going to be bad. The longer it waits, the worse off it's going to be. And if you take a fight, like or if you take a card like 249 and the only fight that you keep on it is Tony versus Khabib just to make sure that that fight gets done that card's pretty that card's pretty thick too and you move that someplace else dude you're just you're just you're removing um I know it's not the politically co- correct nomenclature but like the, the remember doing indian runs as a kid where right. you're, you're you're in a group and then the the, the lead guy, guy the comes back, up yeah. and then the guy in the back comes up that's what we're that's what we're gonna see with these cards now is it's just gonna be an indian run of cards um trying to get 
you know, trying to get this this filled out. The, a lot of these guys aren't going to eat for a long time. I think the UFC is going to have to let them go. Well, and speaking of, um, you know, I know you're utilizing that as a metaphor, but speaking of eating and fighters, all these fighters that, you know, these three UFC cards that were upcoming um, that just got canceled, it's it's the UFC has got to look at it another another way. And I'm not going to take credit for this because I heard it somewhere else, but wherever I heard it from, which I can't remember at this moment in time, Fighters cutting weight, preparing for this, their immunities and immune systems are very low, mm-hmm. you know, and it, when they're low and you're social distancing yourself or, or not, you know, maybe you're just living right. your life as normal. You're at the grocery store, whatever it is, you're putting the fighters that are on your roster in a lot of danger. So mm-hmm. how far out can they start to cancel these things to at least say to the fighters that, you know, are close. I mean, you even look at UFC 249. You know, fighters that have to cut down a lot to make weight. I look at Alex Hernandez. That guy's a big dude. You know, when you're yeah. cutting down to lightweight to fight Islam Makachev, you're cutting down. You're cutting down. You're in the thick of it right now. Yeah. Like you're, you're not coasting right now. You're, you're, you're blood, sweat, and tears. You got to look out for your fighters. You got to look out for their immune system. So by kind of playing the wait and see thing, that's not fair to the fighters. That's not fair for their paychecks. It's not fair for their health, their safety, any of that stuff. So right. this either needs to be, a, this can't be a Dana White, oh, we're going to take it day by day. They need to do a hard stop on it. We don't know where this virus is going. We don't know how it's going to affect anyone. Right. Um, we think that we kind of have an idea of, you know, I've heard new cases that, for instance, China has closed down um, their last um, additional hospital that they opened up for the coronavirus uh, to help with all patients. So that means that they have somewhat of a handle on it. We've heard other countries are starting to find uh, antibodies that can fight this di- right. uh, disease. We're starting to get a hold on it, but we don't know how severe it is. We don't know how it's um, increasing here in the United States. So Dana White needs to jump in and make a little bit more of a uh, effort as to his forecast. Yeah, I think he just needs to be more concentrated and precise with his words. And say, look, we're we're shooting. Let's just say we're shooting for Dubai, right? We're going to see if we can make Dubai happen. If we can't make Dubai happen, we're gonna we're gonna push the whole thing back indefinitely until we'll say June first or something to that effect. I, I have no idea. And so we're gonna have this Dubai decision done by Friday. So we've got till Friday to figure out if we're gonna be able to do Dubai. If we can't do Dubai, then it's done till June first. The fight's still the fight. Nobody's fighting anybody else. Um, no new fights are being made, but that's, that's what we're doing. We're pushing it. We're pushing it till June. Uh, my concern though, with, with things like that is guys like Khabib who are now in a position where they don't need money anymore. Like Khabib's all, biggest motivator has always been legacy. Money's never been it, but now he has the money. So when you have the money and you already are working on your legacy, if they, nix this Tony Ferguson thing and say indefinitely it's done, sit and wait he may go, no nah, I'll see you guys after Ramadan and if Tony's ready right. then I'll fight then but if not I'm, I'm good. If you want to strip me go ahead and strip me everybody knows who the real champ is I'm not coming back until after Ramadan. He may I mean what what, what are you going to do has got millions in the bank, what are you going to tell him what can you tell he, what can you tell a guy with money like that he doesn't need this fight you know? he's literally doing this for the public it's What's just and people are going to say, and he even said it himself. He said, you know what? The funny thing is I'm going to beat this guy. I'm going to beat, beat him handily. And when I do, everyone's going to say, oh man, this would have been better three or four years ago when he was in his prime. You beat an old man. Yeah. So he is literally doing this 
on the precedence that this is for the public. This is I don't give a shit about this fight. I feel like I can I can handle him handily, and right. you know that's it is what it is. Yeah. Speaking of which, Tony Ferguson's little training video that he put out. What a little spaz monkey, man. I I <laughs> I see stuff like that, and it's hard for me root for him. I, and I also the, the Khabib presser, the, the Khabib Ferguson presser. I I that did I know a Bad lot of people said Tony came out on top there, but I don't I don't believe so. I think Tony looked like a clown. A Who lot said of people that? thought he looked there was a lot of people that like and a lot of the, like, a lot of accounts online, their comment sections were like, "Oh, Tony's in in Khabib's head, wow. and this, that, and the other." Yeah. It just, it's bad. Hey, real quick, let's let's touch. Speaking of heads, let's talk about um, Yoani and Jakic <laughs> and Whaley. Oh, okay. I know you thought I was about to plug Manscaped, but I'm not going to do that yet. <laughs> let's talk about Yoana versus versus Whaley real quick. Yeah. Greatest women's MMA fight I've ever seen. Hands down, I'd actually put it in my. <laughs> Top two, maybe of all time, just in in MMA. Right. I mean, can you can you dispute that? It's not a top five fight for sure. That's a Hall of Fame fight, hundred percent. It's a Hall of Fame fight for sure. I don't. I mean, it'd be hard. I, you know, sitting here rattling them off the top of my head, it probably cracks top ten. I don't know if it's in my top five greatest fights of all time, but it's definitely the greatest women's fight I've seen of all time. Okay, fair. I would like to hear you rattle a couple off right now. Okay, so, um, and, and I, I know you're probably going to throw in there the Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner thing. No, actually, oh. that, no. So I will say this: um, I believe that's one of the most overrated fights in history. Now, listen, I say that under the premise I understand the importance of the fight, the magnitude, mm-hmm. the situation is what made that fight great. The fight yeah. itself was lackluster, not lackluster, but it wasn't great. <laughs> we've we've seen better ones. We've seen better ones. <laughs> We've seen better ones since then. A lot better. I want to hear an example of just one. One that was better since that? Of better than that fight? No, 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 no. I want you to oh. start rattling off a couple. Okay. Uh, Rory McDonald, yeah, Robbie Lawler, that. two. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hunt versus Bigfoot Silva, one. Did I lose you? There we go. Yeah, you lost me for a second there. Okay. All right. So Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald two. Yep. Um, Bigfoot Silva versus Mark Hunt one. Yep. Outstanding. Um, Duho Choi versus Cub Swanson. <laughs> Dude, I you cannot <laughs> tell me that Duho Choi versus Cub Swanson wasn't one of the best fights of all time. You can't tell uh, me that. Well, you can't, I think, dude. You can't. Just, that's it's super biased. That's like me saying, "Oh, you know, Mike Brown versus Uriah Faber, WEC number two. Same thing. That's not that. That's that's not that biased. That's not that biased. Uh, Shogun oh. versus Dan Henderson. What's going on with our recording here? I'm making. I'm getting mad now. Are oh. you there? Lost me. Yep, I'm back. That's so weird. Why is it doing that? I don't know. It's probably because it's just hearing ridiculousness coming out of your mouth, and it's not allowed to, you know, translate to the airwaves. <laughs> um, no, Dan Henderson versus Shogun, which I thought was amazing. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that were better than were better than that. Um, Diego Sanchez, Clay Guida. Okay. Fair. Um, 
I thought that I thought that fight was amazing. I thought any of the um, Spencer Fisher Sam Stout fights were fantastic to mm. go back for those for casual MMA fans who have no idea who Spencer <laughs> Fisher is. Educate yourself uh, on the Spencer Fisher Sam Stout fights of the world. I think they fought three times, uh, which was ama- all three were amazing. Um, and I'm not saying that any one of them was way better than the Way Lee Yoana fight. Obviously, this is all subjective, but I, I just it's easily the greatest women's MMA fight I've ever seen. I don't know if it can it cracks the top five greatest, but arguing what the best fights of all time is is like arguing who the best fighters are right. of all time. There's too many variables. Somebody's inevitably going to get in their feelings about it, and it's just not you know it's not a productive conversation. Nobody concedes no. and goes. You're right. I'm wrong. Brr, that nobody yeah. does that. Yeah. So. You know, the thing that impressed me most about the fight is the output that those two women did. I mean, he threw what 300 strikes in the first round uh, yeah. collectively. It was unbelievable. Um, when you keep up a pace, a cadence like that, it just shows athleticism to an absolute different level. That's yeah. that's what it does. And I just don't see how you don't immediately run that back. I know. A lot of that's, you know, predicated on UFC 249, uh, you know, Rose getting back in the mix against Jessica Andrade. But I just don't think that when you look at a confliction in styles, there's that's, you know, we said it, we said it after, you know, UFC 248. We looked at um, Yoel Romero and Izzy Adesanya and you just looked at it and like at the end of the day. It's a horrible confliction in styles. It's not cohesive. When you look at Jessica, uh, when you look at uh, Weilei Zhang and Joanna uh, Janjacek, that was the married couple of the most perfect styles to make an entertaining fight. Right. I don't think if you put uh, Rose Namajunas in there, it's going to be half as exciting. Now, I think that Rose maybe would move. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I imagine her moving forward uh, more than Joanna did. Joanna. You know, that was all based on Wele kind of closing the distance. Sure. But, you know, I don't think that it's going to be as elongated. I don't think it would be as interesting as a run back of Yana and Wele. Well, I say I, this is why I say you don't run that fight back. Ooh. Because because you like or you love both of those women and what they're capable of doing. Um, when you when you have something that great, right? Um Two things come from this. One, the rematch never lives up to the hype of the first one. And two, the amount of damage that those women were able to inflict on one another, you don't want to see them do that again. Um, you know, dog fighting, dog fighting gets a bad rap, but dog fighting is synonymous with the the fighting community as a whole. Um, one of the one of the best books on fighting uh, in general and what it takes to be a fighter. It was written by a guy named Sam Sheridan called A Fighter's Heart. If you haven't read it, listeners haven't read it, absolutely go scoop it up. It's an amazing read. Um, But he dives into the psychology of dogfighting as well as people fighting. But what you see is his owners getting a very real bond with their dogs, which would would seem counterintuitive because the dog absorbs so much punishment. But what they would see is when dogs would have a big fight or a great fight and they would absorb too much damage – after a while, the owners get too attached to it, and they decide, I, don't, I can't have that happen to my dog again, right? But meanwhile, 
up to that, the dog took plenty of damage, enough that a normal person would never allow this to continue. But it's mm-hmm. not until the big fight, right, that they're like, oh, I, I have to stop this. I can't, I can't allow you to do that again. Even though the dog wants to, right, because it's in the dog's nature to please the master or to go out on its shield and fight unleash the wolf. Yoana and Waylay are warriors, right? They're out there. They want to be the one that, that, you know, they're willing to sacrifice it all for the belt, for glory, for legend, for lore. That's what they want to do. But you got to save them from yourself and you've got to remove your own greed and the bloodlust away from it. Those women gave everything they had for 25 minutes. We should all just enjoy it and let it go. I don't see them fighting again being a good idea. If you do that, you're taking years off of lives and careers by having them fight again. There's just no, there, there's nothing tangible to gain from them fighting other than money. My opinion. No, you just made me feel like a horrible person wanting to see it again. So that was good. <laughs> and that you used a dog metaphor. I couldn't even watch War Horse or My Dog Skip. And then you throw something in like that and it just pulls at the heartstrings, me amigo. I'm just saying, man, that's just how I feel about it. Cause you, you and I think that's what makes stuff like that so special is that you watch it, and if you really give it the gravity that it deserves, you realize that you saw something special. Like if you go back to what I was talking about before with the Robbie Lawler, uh, Rory McDonald fight. Yeah. One of the craziest scenes from that fight is is afterwards, whenever Rory's laying there, and I encourage people to look it up on YouTube. If we had our version of a Jamie, like a Joe Rogan style, we could pull it up. But there's right. a there there's a moment in time after Robbie Law knocks Rory down, and Rory's sitting there in a pool of his own blood, and his head's wobbling back and forth, and you can see him replaying the entire fight, every decision he made, and all, r- r- coming to grips with the gravity of the situation right in front of the camera, as as his face is falling off, and you're like. This will never happen again. Like, you'll never see this. And you now you look at Rory McDonald. Now he's in Bellator. He's never fought the same way he fought in the no, UFC. No way. He's, and he'll never have a fight like that again. Something was lost that night. Something was gained as a fan, but something was lost as a fighter that night. And you've got to pay that. It's due diligence. You've got to give it that respect. And I think that, uh, I think that Whaley and, and Joanna did that that night. I don't, I don't want to see them fight again. They gave me 25 minutes that, I, that I'll enjoy forever. I don't want to see it again. My, my opinion. So if you don't want to see that, then obviously you're banking on the Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade fight to be the next contender, right? I would think so. Um, I, I feel like Rose was doing everything right in that fight right up until she got dropped on her head. And yeah. even then, I felt like that's something that they could have ruled as a no contest. But I think the spike was inadvertent. Um, you know, you can't, when the way Rose was falling, it didn't seem like Andrade guided her head first. Rose just sort of fell with the motion of the body. It's, it's not a spike, it's not a disqualification. Um, so I think that's a little bit different. Uh, that one was scary because people like Rose Namajunas. She's sweet. She's soft-spoken. She's well-spoken. Um, the dynamic with her and Pat Barry and Trevor Whitman, it's all very family-friendly. The fight community loves her, you know, all that stuff. So seeing her get knocked out in a very scary fashion, mm-hmm. people were like, whoa, that's different. So that one hurt in that regard. Right. Um, I think that, you know, she took way more than enough time off. She's coming back. She's yeah. ready to go. Um, I like that fight for her because she was doing everything right, right up until then. So I like that fight. 
Well, there was someone that wasn't doing anything right from even the onset. And I know we're just bouncing around like crazy right now, but I know we have a lot to recap. Um, Your favorite fighter of all time outside of Conor McGregor, Kevin Lee. Look, man, I I told you prior to I was hoping for the double knockout. Um, (laughs) But here's the thing with Kevin Lee, man, is he continuously burns out whenever lights shine the brightest on him. Um, you know, the win over Gregor, I, I maintain to this day was more Gregor's fault than it was Kevin Lee winning that fight. Um, Gregor implemented no game plan, abandoned his wrestling and kept circling to the power side. It's the dumbest thing that you could possibly do. I know he said in the past that, you know, you don't just go out and immediately start wrestling a guy, you know, you got to respect him. He was in a low stance. Khabib goes out and just wrestles guys. He works a little bit, and then he's on you. He closes the distance. He tries to put hands on you, grab a hand, do something. Gregor has unprecedented wrestling pedigree and and stamina. He could have easily, not easily, but he could have made that effort, rather. Um, And he didn't. He decided we wanted to go out there and bang, and he got knocked out for it. But prior to that, Kevin Lee loses two in a row. No, I'm sorry, three. um, Mm -hmm. Beats Gregor, and then loses to... um, Loses the what's his face, uh, Charles Oliveira. So that's par for the course, Kevin Lee style. Yeah, and you know what's crazy about it is Kevin Lee just looked atrocious. I mean, there wasn't one facet of him that looked like a normal Kevin Lee. You know, he's relying on his his wrestling, um, but at the end of the day, his wrestling. He, I mean, Charles Oliveira was out wrestling him, and yeah. he got it down to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, I mean, you see that with guys like Charles Oliveira. What I thought was really compelling was Oliveira came out and got really creative with the striking, um, the jumping switch kicks, uh, the, the the teep kicks to the front. His boxing looked really good. He seems to be really comfortable using his hands now. Um, he realizes that now is his time where he's going to have to push if he wants that contender fight. I know he said he's going to be front row for the Khabib Tony fight. I don't think he's earned that yet. Um, obviously seven, eight wins in a row now, all finishes. That's, that's as compelling as anybody else out there. What he needs to take into consideration though, is the quality of opponent has been very low. Um, you don't go from Jared Gordon, Kevin Lee title shot. That's just not that, you know, honestly, the, 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 Kevin Lee's of the world need to be fighting the Jared Gordons at this point. Like Jared Gordon versus Kevin Lee is a fight that actually makes sense at this point because I I know Jared Gordon just got booked for another fight, but I'm saying like, that's a fight realistically that makes more sense. Um, I think you probably see Oliveira versus Iaquinta is what's coming next. Um, Because Hooker and Poirier are set to tango. Obviously you've got Tony, um, the Tony Khabib, Connor, Justin Gaethje log jam outside that fringe is guys like ally Aquinta, and you got contenders like charles Oliveira that are looking to crack again i like i Aquinta versus uh charles Oliveira. i think that should be next for him before he's pushing for a title shot yeah you know the problem is he's not going to campaign for something like that his next campaign is going to be for not a title shot but it's going to be someone that's in that top three it has to be but you he know, won't seven get submission it. wins, seven submission wins. He has the pedigree to justify it. You know, maybe he doesn't have the name value. Kevin Lee doesn't, you know, bode the same type of name value that you need to get the title shots. But resume alone, justifiably. I mean, 
It's true, but you also look at a guy like Tony Ferguson, who's on what, like a 13 fight win streak, mm-hmm. and he's just now getting the title shot. Like, yeah, he had the 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 interim shot against Kevin Lee, right? But prior to that, we're talking about what 11 wins in a row before he even got the interim shot. So I understand the the argument of 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 the win streak. However, in these lower divisions like lightweight and like featherweight, six, seven, eight is necessary to cut through the noise to get to that spot where maybe you get a title shot. But that log jam that exists in those divisions, because that's where the most talent's at, it's very, very hard because inevitably you've got to stay busy because you have to stay relevant because your relevancy sells tickets. So I know Charles Oliveira thinks that he deserves it on paper. Maybe he does, but there's between Connor Gaethje, the Ferguson, yeah. uh, the Ferguson can be fight and hooker and Poirier. He won't see one anytime soon. He's got to take another fight and it's got to be a huge statement win. And then he can get himself in the position where he can start having a viable argument and even then, I think he's going to have to win one more. I think he's two wins away from a title shot, which will put him at 10, 10 fights in a row that he's going to have to win to get a title shot. Yeah, it's freaking bonkers. So speaking of someone that didn't have um, the length of wins in association, but a year ago, we were having this conversation that it was somewhat justified based on length of time in the octagon that Johnny Walker was deserving of a fight against John Bones Jones at light heavyweight. After watching him, his past two fights, Corey Anderson, and then again against Nikita Krylov this past weekend, what do you think for Johnny Walker going forward? We, you know, we were excited to see how he was going to have for us in his corner and yeah. new new gym, and you know, going to play a little more patient, be selective with his shots. Now he's he's a wild striker. This guy's super unorthodox, but he has so much power. And I thought he'd have a little bit more athleticism, but. Nikita Krylov went in, did exactly what he needed to do to win that fight, and exposed Johnny Walker as not really that great across all disciplines. Two in a row losses, someone that was vying for a title shot. Where does Johnny Walker go from here? I think the hype and the way he won the fights did more for his stock and getting the title shot than his actual skill set. And that was the biggest thing. And the every time we would bet on one of his fights is what happens if it goes longer than a minute and 30 seconds? What do we see then? Um, And, you know, if you look at a guy like Volkan Ozdemir to go to the light heavyweight division, we saw the same thing with Volkan Ozdemir. His first three fights before he got his title shot, they were all very quick. He was rattling them off super fast. So then whenever he gets his title fight, we go, well, what do we expect here? What, what, What can we expect out of him? And then we see what to expect a guy that needs a lot of work still, right? The fact that you're knocking people out, yeah, you're dangerous, but you need a lot of work still. Um, Johnny Walker's much the same. He's at the right gym. I think TriStar is a good gym for him. Uh, I just think that he, we're years away from him legitimately be con- being considered an actual true contender that people will take seriously. And even it, it, that's with the light heavyweight division being um, not necessarily st- like shallow, but it's not... It's about four feet deep. Uh, it's like an in-ground pool. You know, <laughs> you can have fun for a little bit, but you don't want to stay there all day. Right, right. Or an above-ground pool. Sorry, I said in-ground. So where do we go from here? We had UFC Fight Night 171 London. We are at a hold, holding pattern for the next three cards. 
you know, our saving grace could possibly be UFC 249. That would be maybe a one one fight pay per view card. Yeah. Where does the sport go, and what can we kind of expect over the next com- coming weeks? I think what we expect is we, we see a little bit of the same as, as what the rest of the sports the sports world is doing. They're setting contingency plans uh, where they're rescheduling things further out. You know, it's it's out of everybody's hands at this point as far as what the next steps will be. Um, you know, we, we have government state sanctions saying that we're not allowing people to congregate in these areas. Um, you know, realistically, based on target people that are affected by this virus, the UFC fighter doesn't fit the mold. Um, you know, it's always what they would do if they were to contract it and carry it to somebody that actually could affect. Um, so that's sort of where that comes into play. I think what we see is we see things go into a holding pattern. I see we, I think we see the Indian run of stacked cards like we talked about. And I'm hoping that the sport, you know, I know the sport will survive. Uh, but the longer this goes without fights, the more the harder it's going to be um, to to build that momentum and have it come back. I think I really think that we are. This is a unprecedented. Um, this is really. I mean, and I, I, you know, especially in the fight game, history making gets used all the time. But this is really sort of an unprecedented thing that's happening right now, outside of like you know, boxing championships during the Great Depression. This is a very unprecedented thing that's happening right now. It's really going to be a, a, a it's going to be a real telltale thing of how strong this is as a sport on how we bounce back, depending on how long this lasts. You know, a lot of people look at the coronavirus and they, and they think from this, uh, you know, self-quarantining that people are doing, this is the time where people can, in their own home, with what they own, um, they can really make strides in their own life. They can make personal improvements. Um, they can they can build upon what they have. Um, this is a moment where the UFC is actually, you know, they've had they've been on a crazy cadence. You know, they switched everyone over to ESPN Plus, and that became the new norm. Streaming has become the new name new norm. I said this right before we got on the podcast. We're filming this on St. Patrick's Day. My favorite band of all time, Dropkick Murphys, did a live concert on St. Patrick's Day, which you know they always do during the St. Patty's Day Parade in Boston. They did it live streaming on YouTube. I think this is an opportunity for everyone to understand what their backup plan is. And maybe their backup plan becomes their first plan, utilizing streaming services, utilizing unique locations, you know, ones that have different types. When you look at all the different states and all the different boards and um, uh, different constraints that each state puts on different fights, this may, can make it universal to a certain degree, depending on where you're streaming it. The Apex Center could be the uh, could be the pinnacle of go forward fights. You know, you don't yeah. need the you don't need the crowd, you don't need the production, you just need the live stream, you need the views, you need the impressions, you need the historical demand, you need all of that. I think, uh, like everyone, both from a perf- personal or professional level, this is a moment that people can make great strides in their life businesses can make great forward-looking decisions i think this is going to be a benefit as much as it looks like a detriment as of this moment yeah and i'm going to touch on this before we wrap things up as weird as it might sound is that promotion that was run by a porn company a while back remember they did the live stream and people could 
tip fighters as they were fighting. They could <laughs> contribute to, listen, they could contribute to the scoring. They could do everything else. What have we been saying the last few weeks, right? Open scoring. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a bigger, um, a bigger contingency of people judging the fights. I know um, our mutual acquaintance, Steve, he's lobbying for that Senate scoring thing. It's a legitimate thing where we could have sports writers, we could have personalities, we could have whoever. These guys are fighting the Apex Center. It's being streamed live. You're getting data feedback. People are scoring the fight. Fans can contribute to, to you know, whether it be chat via tip. We can be it can be whatever. Like this, you're right. This is a this is an opportunity to get creative. That's a real possibility. Um, but I do want to talk about uh, you know you did allude to the fact that it's St. Patty's Day. I have to ask. Whenever you got your Manscaped shipment, did you see the instructional on the inside on how to shave your pubes to look like a shamrock? It did not say that. Yes, it did. If you if the the the, the <laughs> pamphlet, the newspaper, it absolutely did. It gives you instructional on how to shave your pubes to look like a shamrock. <laughs> Damn it! I'm, I'm behind the curve. I will say this, and we also talked about this. This is going to be this is going to be our generation's baby boom. People are yes. quarantined to their homes. So, guys, I guess if you're not looking to make babies, don't use the Manscaped. Uh, yeah. But if you're looking to have some fun and or make babies, do your partner uh, a solid and do some serious Manscaping. There's only one way to do that with the Lawnmower 3.0. Yeah, I, I look, it, at this point, if you're going to be locked in the house like that, Right. Whether you're trying to make babies, you're just trying to practice making babies. And I'm a big proprietor of practice. I think practice makes perfect. All <laughs> of my kids came out the way that they did because I practiced a lot prior nice. to them getting here. So that's nice. why they turned out as awesome as they did. Um, you know, but it's one of those things. If you are going to be in the house getting it, getting down, at least clean it up a bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just this idea of, oh, it's the winter or, you know, it's not beach season yet and you're allowed to just let things grow and get funky. That is not the case. Bust out that lawnmower 3.0 using our promo code, which is PUNCH. Save yourself 20% and get free shipping. So if you order it today, you can have it by this weekend. Trim that bad boy up. You know, get that area looking nice. Use the ball reviver. Use the toner. Get everything smelling good, looking right. Get the chafe, you know, settle down and then go hard to paint on the weekend. Yeah, guys, make a make a night of it. Light a candle, put on Safe. some fucking Bee Gees. I don't know, whatever you want to do, do it and utilize our code punch at Manscaped for 20% off and free shipping. Dale, this episode was nuts. I feel like we covered everything in a pretty yes, condensed amount of time. I don't know what's next, but I do know that our episodes will continue to launch every Wednesday. Um, yeah. Any sign-off notes? Well, we are going to have an episode next week, too. Just because the UFC is not rolling doesn't mean we aren't rolling. A lot of news will happen between now and then, both fight and otherwise. And obviously, you know, everybody's in the house. They've got nothing else better to do. We'd love it if you went to YouTube, subscribed if you don't already, if you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Podcaster, Listen notes, any of these ones, like, subscribe, rate, review, share, all that goes a long way. Everybody's sitting in the house. Everybody's dying for content. They need something to do, listen to, whatever. Even if you put me uh, or put us on rather to, you know, whatever, annoy the neighbors. I don't care. You know, drop a like, drop a sub, drop it, drop a review. We appreciate everything you guys have done. Um, These are trying times, but, you know, 
social distancing is one thing, uh, but stay close to your friends, stay close to your family. Um, I know I said not my people, not my problem, but that's a thing that, you know, that, 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 <laughs> that's my house. That's the way we operate. We, we keep our friends and our family close and everybody else. Uh, best of luck to you. Uh, but that's just the way that we operate. Doesn't mean you have to. But look out for each other. Be a decent human being at this time. If you're at the grocery store and you see an 80 year old man and you've got 80 rolls of toilet paper, stop being an asshole and share. Yes. Jesus, dude, just sock that person and take take a roll. That's ridiculous. Gluttonous yep. pigs. Don't do that. Be be human. Be legit. And have be a good night. Be decent. <laughs> right? All right. Talk to you guys next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.